Hello, Husker fans, and welcome to a very special presentation of Generation Red. More numbers, more yards to those. Oh, they don't have them yet. Look at Tommy Frazier. How many tackles can one man break? Touchdown. Uh, welcome to another episode of Generation Red, guys. I'm your host, Ken. And I am your other host, Scott. And we're here with our buddy Honky from the Go Big Redcast. We're going to review and take a look back at a fun evening we had on Friday in downtown Lincoln, uh, seeing the Day by Day movie, which we all, I think, give a hearty thumbs up, five stars, ten stars, whatever we could possibly give to the movie. Uh, it's absolutely worth going to see or finding a stream of it or whatever they end up doing with this. You absolutely should watch it. So, um, guys, man, that was fun Friday night. That was an absolute blast. We started off at Jake's Cigar Lounge. Uh, Honky met us there, and uh, yeah, that started a string of enjoyable conversation, certainly around podcasting and around Husker football. And uh, Honky, what did you think overall of the entire the entire night. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that they premiered it this way here at the Rococo. And, you know, mm-hmm. Friday night, it was a, you're in a good mood. Work week is done. And so it's, uh, it's hard not to have a good time when you have, have an old fashioned in your hand. And uh, you guys were enjoying some of the cigars there. That's a, that's a great place, obviously, to do it. And then uh, movie itself, I, I thought the crowd really added a lot to it because they were into it. I mean, there were, there were people cheering when, yeah. you know, something good happened. They were booing when, you know, Switzer or somebody would, you know, come on, come on the screen. And it, it was just, it was, it was a fun environment. And, um, and uh, it was, and the story is outstanding. So I didn't realize this until we saw it that night. I didn't realize it's like a two-part series. I thought we were going to watch the movie and really all we saw on Friday night was just the rise. So that pretty much was 93 and 94. And then, there will be a second right. part that will be the 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 last three years of the of the dynasty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, Scott. You your overall impressions, being someone who didn't experience the '90s like we did. Uh, what what did you think of uh, seeing what it was that got us so passionate? Um. Well, just the overall experience of the night was just phenomenal um it was fun going to jake cigars uh get myself a non-alcoholic beer uh, um <clears throat> and uh yeah smoking some cigars and then going uh mm-hmm. went to b-dubs got myself some mango habanero uh traditional wings of course and some pretzel bites and all that fun jazz and had some good conversation met with uh met with a couple people that honky knew was it mark and d Mark and D, they're from Mark Columbus. And, That's right. My parents Mark and D. Yep. They came down for the movie too. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah, were sitting like a to, table over from us. Yeah, yeah. Honky saw him right away, recognized him right away. So we went over and sat with them and had some good conversation. Heard some good stories about um, some former players uh, with some, uh, you know, Pee Wee football leagues and all <laughs> that stuff. So that was that was really cool. Uh, but the movie, man, that was. 
I mean, my dad did a really, really good job growing up ensuring that I understood the illustrious history and culture that was Nebraska football in, uh, well, I guess from my dad's experience, the eighties and nineties and throughout that, that dynasty period of time. Mm -hmm. But the movie was just, it, it just shed a new light on a lot of the context and a lot of the, uh, individual performances and opinions within the locker room of, of individuals, which we'll get into that. Um, but it was just awesome. It was it was crazy. Like one of the uh, one of the moments that I remember paying very close attention to was there was a gentleman sitting about three rows in front of us to our left down the aisle, and I could just see. Even though I was only seen from behind him, I could see him reliving all of those experiences that he remembered experiencing at the time like the emotions the ups the downs the the pissed off the ecstatic like just watching somebody live that nostalgic uh that nostalgic experience that was once in a lifetime uh for me Mm -hmm. was just bone chilling um and then yeah just the the fact that it's a two-part kind of movie thing is is great. I mean, there was so much left to be desired after it was, after it was done. Um, but I think they did that on purpose. They really wanted to give you something to, to cure your satiation, but leave you kind of uh blue balled, you know, like <laughs> you kind of gotta, you know, you, you know, everybody that experienced that, uh, that movie, they're going to go back and they're going to see that next part. Cause it's like, Oh yes, you, you, uh, you uh you got me hooked now i gotta get another fix so it was great yeah i'm right there with you guys uh some memories for me leading up to going to see the movie obviously was the great conversation we had at jake's beforehand and of course we had another great conversation after um we saw the movie we went right back to jake's and that was an awful lot of fun though at that point i'd had enough um solution that tends to wipe memory that uh, a lot a lot of what we did at Jake's afterward I don't recall which might be a good thing might be a bad thing I I don't know but um um I was bummed quite frankly the I I haven't eaten at B dubs in so stinking long that I did not realize I ordered the street tacos cuz I'm not a huge fan of their wings for one reason or another but uh Man, it tastes like those street tacos were dipped in a vat of salt water before they were put put out at the table. There wasn't a whole lot of flavor except salt. And I was really bummed that I didn't get carded at the Rococo Theater. <laughs> and the guy kind of looked at me and he was like, well, you know, Father Time is probably not your cousin or some shit like that. And I was like, what the hell does that even mean? But <laughs> anyway, uh, he put the band on me and off I went. But uh, And then, of course, finding our seats just as the movie was getting ready to start because we couldn't see him because it was dark and we didn't need to know we needed to go up another level. So that was an adventure all on its own. But by the time we planted our butts in seats, literally the movie started. It couldn't have been any more perfect. Perfect timing. And, and the movie itself, yeah. And, as you said, Scott, and as you said, Honky, it was just... Uh, um, there wasn't a lot of dry eyes in the house at times, um, especially me every time Brooke would come on screen. Mm. Um, still that one hurts so, so deeply, which is why the loss of Sam Foltz back in 2016 was yet another one of those where you go, why, why, why has this happened to the kids that just love and care 
and uh, play for the team so deeply, but it does. And maybe it's for an example for the rest of us to do a little better and be a little bit better. But yeah, seeing Brooke on the screen was tough. Uh, <laughs> the most poignant moment for me was when Dwayne Harris, when they started talking about recruiting and getting Frazier in here and Fra and Harris was like, Oh yeah, that boy was an asshole. <laughs> I was like, well, we all knew this. We'd all heard the rumors that he was kind of a pain in the butt to deal with. And he just did mm -hmm. not take any crap from anybody, but to hear somebody on his own team say, yeah, that guy was an a-hole, uh, was pretty, pretty, uh, insightful. So, um, I thought it, I love the way they did it. I love the way they did the movie. They took an hour to set up the national championship season of 1994. And I also love the fact that you didn't have to live through, you know, 40 minutes of the seventies and eighties leading up to the nineties. They got through the struggles with Oklahoma at the beginning of Osborne's career mm -hmm. fairly quickly. And they got into the meat of it was when we kind of hit that late eighties, early nineties. We're losing all these bowl games in a row. We're wondering if he could ever win the big one. And then that recruiting class came in, the Styes, the Zadiskas, the, um, the Peter brothers, all those guys, the Wistroms and everybody like that showed up on campus. I was kind of surprised they didn't highlight Wistrom much uh, for the 94 season because he was a true freshman. He played a lot of special teams and he did play quite a bit of defensive end backing up Harrison and Jones. But uh, I imagine we'll see a lot more of him in the next one. So yeah, one of the few things that stood out to me in the movie, were there particular moments for you guys that really grabbed your attention in the movie? Oh, I, I mean, I just, I think the, the leadership in that 94 team and really 95 or 93 as well, those two, cause Trev was, you know, highlighted quite a bit and people forget mm -hmm. Trev never won a national championship here, but he was, you know, a huge part in that, that 93 season being two points away from getting one. And he really helped lay the, the foundation for it. But um, that 93 team and those 94, the 94 team, which were the, the main focus of this, the leadership on those two teams was just so incredibly strong. And um, I noticed, you know, for me, the, the kind of had the waterworks going most of the night, just trying not to, not trying to, to ball my eyes out, you know, and during, during a lot of it, but um, uh, it, it took me back to like, I can remember back in that time frame in Columbus growing up and, and, my friend, my parents' friend Mark, who was there at B Dubs with us, I can remember my parents watching documentaries of 1970s, you know, Huskers and Johnny Rogers, and there'd be some kind, you know, it would evoke these memories for them since they lived through it 20 years earlier. And here I am now, 20 or 30 years now later, and it's it's the <laughs> yeah. exact same thing. Uh, the the memories of those games, I, I remember being at so many of them, and uh, and to see it now, you know. Um, being portrayed historically, um, it puts me in my place that I probably, you know, don't need to be carded anymore, but also that, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it, it's just, it was great to see it in that setting. I guess I, I one memory is probably hard, but just the, the, the whole entire thing was so well done. And I know the second we walked out of there, I tweeted out to, to the Redcasters. I'm just like, go to this thing, get, get to this. You're going to want to watch it. And, and um, and hopefully Josh Davis and the the group that you know have been part you know mm -hmm. behind putting it together, um, I, I think that they got they have to be hearing the feedback from people that uh, this thing you know at some point needs to be uh, somehow digitally streamed or DVD'd or whatever the heck something so that uh, people that can't make it down here to to see it uh, get their hands on it too. 
Yeah, hell, I'd donate to PBS if I knew I could get a DVD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, during Big Red wrap-up sometime next year, if they throw that DVD at you for the $180 level, shoot, I'll do it. You oh, know? in a heartbeat. It, it'd be worth it. And that's, you know, it had everybody on it. I mean, it, and they'd been doing it since like 2019, and then there was delays right. because of of COVID. COVID. So because mm-hmm. of that, I mean, Bobby Bowden's interviewed for it, and he's been dead now for over a year you know i and yeah. he was a part of this and you know switzer and and you just name it and then of course all of our our former coaches mcbride was in it and and the, the the group of players that they got together i mean it was really impressive and uh and they were open and honest and and uh yeah i the 90 the next one will be interesting because 95 is where you get into <clears throat> you know obviously the the lawrence phillips stuff and 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 just you know that year had a different impression nationally than what 90, 94, we were still the good guys. We were trying to get Osborne's first ever win. And then of course, by 95, we were being labeled nationally as, you know, the win it all, you know, everything. And, and yeah. uh, I know coach Osborne really was happy to have this group put this show together as opposed to it being some, you know, 30 for 30 ESPN type of thing that would have sensationalized right. it. So um, it, it was, it's raw, it's real, but it, it wasn't, I in no way did I ever feel it was sensationalized. It certainly didn't look like there was an agenda except to tell the story. Mm-hmm. That was it. And that to me was, is what documentaries and journalism is, is supposed to be is just give you the facts, give you everything that happened and let you figure it out for yourself. And to me, it was uh, very true to what I remember. Uh, Honky, you and I are, are, are different in a lot of ways in the sense that I never saw a game in Memorial stadium until uh, Oklahoma in 1995. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, growing up in Arizona and not even becoming a fan until 1983, meeting my wife after she moved there in 88 and then moving up to Nebraska in 1990, it was hard to get to games uh, living on the salaries that we lived on at the time. And even back then, Oklahoma was 25 bucks a ticket and that was expensive uh, for a, an end zone seat. And um, so, yeah, I didn't get the context of seeing all the games I Hurt most of them. I saw like the kickoff classic against West Virginia uh, in 94. I remember that vividly because I couldn't wait to get home from church so I could watch the game. And um, then all the other games along the way. And then hearing Tommy Frazier get hurt and seeing that news report that he's out the rest of the season and he's got a blood clot and don't know if he'll ever play again. I'm like, crap, we did everything we could except win the thing last year. And now our best guy is sitting on the bench. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. Holy crap. Yeah. You know what? It, it, I think you've said it many times on, on your show, and I've heard it on other, on other podcasts. Uh, folks say that the 94 championship meant so much more than the other two, just from the sense of, number one, you beat Miami in their stadium. You score a two-point conversion in the same damn end zone that you missed the two-point conversion in. 19 in the 1984 orange bowl you vanquished that ghost you finally got over the hump you finally got it and then the next year and you know for the most of most part of 96 and 97 nobody could touch us we we're just that dominant so that 94 team was truly uh truly remarkable mm-hmm. to win every game <laughs> starting three different quarterbacks one of them being a five foot eight fire plug mm-hmm. from from what uh wahoo nebraska i mean mm. it's just it's such a remarkable story yeah we look, remarkable we look back on it now of course it's 60 and three over five seasons from 93 to 97 and it's this great dynasty and historically we can look at it 
like that. The reality is everything we just watched up to the end of this movie, to the end of the 94 season, you didn't know you were sitting in the middle of a dynasty as it was happening. Um, no. We go undefeated in 93, but we're 17 and a half point underdogs of Florida State. And uh, and as Albert said on it, they I mean, they were so, you know, in particular his class, they were so depressed that they didn't win the championship um, because, you know, they weren't going to get another chance. They were they were graduating. And also that you just never knew if we were ever going to get back. It had been 10 right. years since we played uh, Miami in 83 for national championship. And this might have been the last chance for Coach Osborne. And uh, so they felt like they really let him down. And then the 94 mm-hmm. guys that are coming back, they – of course, that's the entire offseason of unfinished business. They have, you know, the the workouts with 116 on the clock and uh, all yeah. offseason. We're going to finish this thing off and you go the whole season undefeated. And, but despite all the, the, the crazy injuries and everything that, you know, all the adversity that they went through. And now you're going to go play Miami and you're down 10 nothing against Miami. And I can remember watching that thing live and never feeling comfortable. I didn't feel comfortable when they threw the, when Frank Costa threw the, the bomb at the end that got intercepted by cream Moss. There was still right in the back of my head is it's going to, it's going to bounce off someone and Miami's going to catch it and run it for 90 yards and tie it. You know, it just wasn't until it was over. It's like, Oh my God, we actually won. But then that was just one national title. I mean, that no reason to think, okay, we'll turn around and, and win two of the next three and, and have some of the most dominant teams that have ever played the game. So, um, that's the weird thing, I guess, about dynasties and everything is while you're in them, you probably don't know it. It's usually it has to end for you to, to be able to look back on it historically. And that's obviously what we get to do here. Right. Hmm. Any other thoughts, Scott? Yeah. The three things that I had kind of just uh, running through my mind there was from my perspective, being 27 and literally not experiencing any of this uh on you know like actually competently um because i was just a little pip like a little little like blob of human formation at that time um was that one you know like it's like tom osborne takes over bob devaney and there is a significant amount like 10 plus years before you really start to see anything worth national championship contention because we just always lost the big ones and like i'd heard that i'd heard that i heard that that it took tom osborne quite some time before we were ever in that dynastic period which like uh honky was saying that you didn't know you were in it at the time until it was until it concluded after 97 pretty much and uh and it was just so like captivating to like watch the the like documentation of of how much of a struggle it was to be a husker fan through the 80s and the early 90s of just you know you're winning all of your games and losing maybe one or two but you just couldn't win the big one against OU you couldn't you couldn't win a bowl game for what was it yeah. like a 6 year stretch um and those were those contexts that i just I just didn't know about all I knew was our dynastic period from 1990, 1994 to 1997 and the 93 team that almost won it all. Um, And it was just so fascinating to just like see that and then reflect on where we're at currently and just kind of like, wow, you know, like, like there's completely contrasting differences. You know, we were in a struggle bus 
like you guys were in a struggle bus of like, can we ever win the big one? And then uh, right now the current struggle is, can we win a big one? Like any big one at all. And so it was just like, wow. Like, like, but just reference points relative to, to where you're at in time. Um, So it was Mm -hmm. just, that was one thing was just the fact that Tom Osborne really did have a lot of, a lot of pressure on his shoulders and a lot of, of fans that, had high expectations for him and, and it just, it just didn't seem to come to fruition. And then all of a sudden, which we haven't boom, seen man. the second half, just boom, you know, okay. We finally got through the adversity should have won it in 93. We squeak away with it in 94 with, with a rattled, ra- uh, rattled and tattered, you know, like team that had all of the potential to do so, but it was a matter mm-hmm. of actually doing it. Um, and Tom Osborne finally got his national championship that, you know, Husker nation at that time was, was so desperately craving, um, since, you know, the seventies, some of those old school fans that, that remembered the 70, 71 years, like they were like, when are we going to do it again? We have been dominant for the last two decades. You know, when can we, when can we finally win the big one again? And then they finally did it. And that was like so bone chilling for me to watch. Cause it's like, okay, I didn't get to experience it, but this feels like experiencing it right now, especially looking around the room and seeing some of those old cats, just like, just getting teared up, getting choked up, getting, getting angry, getting happy, you know, like get, you know, raising their hands, banging their tables. Like that was like, if, if, yeah. that, if there's anything that I've experienced is close enough, to where I felt like maybe I, maybe I was there in spirit. Like that was it. You know, um, the second thing that I thought was, uh, crazy was, was learning about Brooke Barringer and Tommy Frazier and the quarterback battle that went on between those guys, um, leading up to the national championship. Like I had no idea. Like I, I still like up to this, up to going to the documentary, I, I didn't really know, the Brooke Barringer and Tommy Frazier story, or at least the first half of it. And I guess I'll get to know the second half. Which yeah. Is yeah a there's tragedy. a lot more. Um, but that was just like, Whoa, I got to see it. Like what it actually was. And that was just, that was fascinating. Like, it was like, Holy crap. And you know, you're, you're sitting there, like I'm sitting there as, as a person who didn't live through it. And I'm like, holy crap like i am i'm 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 in conflict like do we put barringer in do do we put tommy in like what like who is the well i guess it's but it was one interception it was one interception in practice that that basically decided between the two but then uh you know tom osborne was like all right well you're gonna have the first quarter you're gonna have the second quarter and based on who performs well between those two things it's gonna decide the rest of the game and and, you know, uh, it, blah, one of the things that was uh, neat about that was uh, learning about the coaches and, and what we just dis- what we discussed um, afterwards was their institutional knowledge of being able to make those on like during the moment calls of being able to interpret what's happening on the field, who's in their in their right mindset, who has the best potential to do the right thing. And yeah. well, it ended up being uh, Tommy Frazier when it was all said and done, and we pulled it off. You know, like that was, yeah, that was I, super we, neat. We definitely needed both. There was, there was no doubt that. Uh, 
it's amazing that Frazier wins the MVP in that game when he basically only played a total of a quarter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He played two series in the first quarter, then he didn't play again until halfway through the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And he, he wins the MVP <laughs> because damn, because what you he know, did when you needed yeah. him, you what know, you got him. I was, and- God, I was really hoping they would have confirmed for me the story that you hear that you've heard for years since that game where Frazier comes back into the game and Warren Sapp says something like, Hey, where you been? And Frazier got up to line, getting ready to snap the ball and says, Hey, fat boy, it ain't been where I've been. It's where I'm going. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if that's true or if that's just, you know, legend or whatever, but I was kind of hoping they would either confirm or deny that that mm-hmm. happened, but that they didn't talk about that, that I recall anyway in the movie. But, uh, yeah, your which point's is, well taken, Scott. Which is yeah. crazy because if he if that if he does say that before the first play, which I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard that that's folklore now since, and I'm going to just assume it's true. He got thrown for a loss. Yeah, he got thrown for a loss <laughs> right away by, play, by yeah. Warren Sapp. They didn't block him on the play, so that would have been you know a little interesting first play. But and that's yeah. the thing, you know, he didn't. We didn't even. I don't think we got a first down on his first drive back, and. Yeah, uh, if you remember watching the game live, uh, Chris Collinsworth, who was doing the the game, was very clear that you know he thinks they should put Brooke Berenger right back onto the field again. So right. uh, you know that uh, Tommy and the the speed of the defense is just too much for what Tommy can do offensively, and uh, it's all the all the more just the way that Osborne handled it. Yeah. Um, you know, he knew that he was going to have to play both. They both played a key role. We don't win that game if Brooke doesn't come in and do the things he did. He helped calm the waters. He, you know, think about his situation. He walked into a game down 10 nothing, yeah. with all this momentum and everything going Miami's way. He took us down the field. And we scored the touchdown to make it 10-7. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, you know, things kind of get righted a little bit. But we had a couple turnovers in the third quarter. And the interception that he threw, I mean, you think about it. That's He threw an interception, and boom, he was off the field. And, yep. uh, you know, Osborne – that's you know that's just that's mm-hmm. the reality of you have expectations that you you need to play up to and if you don't there is another guy that can come onto the field and um and that's what pulled him out was making that mistake and so um you know I don't know how you apply that to today I mean we've had times where we've had quarterbacks that have played for three four years in a row and it seems like oh what can you do to get them off the field well mistakes mistakes will be the thing that did that's what it's what that's how Osborne um, yeah you know, treated his players and, and, and coached his players and seemed to work for him. Yep. Absolutely. Um, do you have anything else, Scott, that was on your mind there? Did we derail you? The, uh, the only third thing I had, which was just super short and really just, it was just kind of like a, just a, you know, like, uh, so the guy who does my haircut, um, Riley Washington, Hmm. he was, uh, in, on those earlier earlier teams, got to experience some of the greatness and uh, gets, gets me some yeah. really fresh haircuts. And and he and I had talked about it a few times, a few haircuts ago, about that I was excited to see the movie. And he was he was just the, he was so humble. He never even mentioned to me that he was going to be in the documentary or even had any part of of the uh, well, I guess documentation. And so it was neat seeing him seen him uh make his comments uh about yeah. you know, Tommy Frazier and Brooke Barriner and and the bat the quarterback battle that was going on between the two of them and and mm-hmm. so shout out to uh shout out to uh Riley 
stand-up dude can't wait to get another haircut and be like hey you son of a gun why are you so humble why didn't you tell me you're gonna be in it i would have gone anyway but you know like right right um <laughs> uh, that was pretty I think much they just I, I think a lot of it is the former players they they don't want to have to stay constantly connected to the glory right I think a lot of them just we just like being in Lincoln. We just like being around the school and the people and whatnot. We just want to be people with you, you know. I think that's kind of the way Riley is Riley is uh, wired. Um, but yeah, because uh, <laughs> I talked, I, I talked with him a few haircuts in a row. I talked to him about Husker football, and and he and I would just yeah. BS about it, BS about it. And it wasn't until like the third haircut that I got that he just casually mentioned, like, yeah, yeah, you know, I played in the '90s, and I was like, oh, hey, what? <laughs> And, uh, and then, yeah, then found out later that, you know, uh, a few people that we know, mutual friends, you know, knew that and could have told me that, but, um, right. yeah, no, it was just, uh, it was just, it's just cool. I don't know. I don't have really much else to say about it, but it was just like, oh yeah, good. Good for you, man. Good for you. I ran into years ago in Grand Island honky. You'll get a kick out of this. I was in, it was right after the 95 national championship. Uh, the, you had the take and bake pizza joint, uh, Papa Murphy's mm-hmm. there in Grand Island. And, and it was really good back then. I don't know what they did. They changed their ingredients or whatever, but it's got awful now. Um, but I was standing in line, I'd ordered something and lo and behold, I look up, I'm standing next to Phil Ellis. Mm-hmm. He's got a big old dip of skull in his mouth and he's just, I'm like, holy cow, you're Phil Ellis. He goes, yep. I said, so let, let me let me in on, just give me a little taste. What really was it like playing for Coach McBride? And he said, man, that man loved you like nobody else did, but doggone it, he'd get on your ass like nobody else did either. He said, you took a cussing from, from uh, Charlie McBride. You thought you just got dressed down by a drill sergeant. And I'm like, sounds about right. That's what I figure. And, uh, and then he got his pizza and I'd ordered mine before his, he got his pizza and he goes up and he goes, thank you. Hey, this guy over here ordered a pizza before me. Why don't you make sure he's taken care of too? And I was like, that was kind of cool. You know, just dressed Mm -hmm. in his farm clothes and mud and crap all over his boots. And he just stood there and talked with me for 15 minutes. Like I was kind of a dude he's always known, you know, he's just one of those guys. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, back in those days, you know, God, we talked about it, I think, Friday night that, you know, a lot of those guys on those teams, a lot of those starters on both offense and defense lived here. They were in Nebraska. They were the backbone of the team. And, and you know, did that day and age, unfortunately, I don't think is nearly what it's going to be back then from now on. I mean, with the age of the transfer portal and with all those things that are going on now, but um I don't know about you guys. I, I think we kind of alluded to it earlier, the part two. I can't wait. But yet at the same time, it's going to be hard reliving some of that stuff. Uh, reliving the Lawrence Phillips stuff, knowing how his story ended, which wasn't good. Um, and then relieving, reliving, of course, the loss of uh, Brooke Baringer. That's going to be difficult. But at the same time, we're probably going to get an interesting players level perspective on the miracle in Missouri, which will be a lot of fun. So um, anyway, I don't know. I don't think there's really a whole lot left to say, right? Unless you guys have a couple of closing thoughts. Uh, it's it's a great movie. I mean, definitely. I think any Husker fan, you know, out there that 
whether you experienced it personally, like Ken, you and I did, or Scott, if you don't remember it personally, it's, it's any Husker fan should want to see that kind of that, that era and see what, what it took. I, I'm I'll, just to put myself in your perspective, Scott, I love going back and watching the game of the century. I love watching things about the Devaney era stuff that was before my time right. too. Um, it's just the historian guy in me. And I think it's important for people to, to, you know, Husker fans to, to know, what it was like. So when you hear about people saying, oh, you're not a blue blood anymore and all that kind of stuff, the, I mean, there's a reason why we still are on those all time winning lists. There's a reason why we still come up on blue blood lists. And it is because there was, you know, 45 years of unprecedented success in a row that that went on. And, uh, and one of the reasons that we had that kind of success was that we had continuity of coaches and we didn't go through coaches every four years. And, and those are some things that you can learn from here too. And, learning from history can, can help you frame your mindset today too. So absolutely, uh, you know, there were fans that called for Devaney's head back after 68 and had a petition to get rid of him in Omaha. There was fans that wanted Osborne gone after every one of those Oklahoma losses and after every one of those bowl losses that didn't matter. Didn't matter that you were playing Miami in Miami or Florida state, Miami didn't matter. It was first world problems that we had as Husker fans. Cause we were, we were unhappy at right. nine and 10 wins. Mm-hmm. And, um, because that's all we were ever given, you know, constantly at least minimum nine wins. And so we were pretty spoiled there for quite a while. And uh, uh, I think, you know, I think we can get back to that point. I, I really do. And I also think when we do get back to that point, we're going to really appreciate it <laughs> a hell of a lot more than <laughs> than, uh, than we did before. So. You know, I years ago when we started really struggling under Callahan and uh, and then even subsequently under Bo at times, I'd make the comments to friends of mine that I thought in some sense that the, the success that 60 and three record over those five years was the worst thing that could have happened to this fan base, because now we expect that 60 and three is just something we should get here and there every 15, 20 years. And that was so unprecedented at the time. It's obviously unprecedented. Now, even St. Nick hasn't been able to accomplish 60 wins in five years with only three losses. Uh, Granted, we play more games now, so there is a little bit of difference. But, you know, I've always said in some ways we got so spoiled by that era. But at the same time, I think we lack the appreciation for what it took to get there. And the fact that we didn't do it like everybody else did. We didn't do it with the fun and gun offense that Spurrier was running. In fact, we made that offense look like the Chuck and duck in the, uh, Mm -hmm. in that Fiesta bowl in 95, which God, I can't wait to watch that again. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess I just wrap it up by saying what, one of the most poignant statements I ever heard after that 94 national championship was at the championship celebration in Devaney center. I watched it on TV that morning. Uh, Rob Zadiska stood up and he said that Osborne was quoted during the season as saying that it's not really winning the national title. That means the most it's what you do on the way to winning the national title. That means the most. Mm. And I thought that was really poignant. It's how you do it. It's not the fact that you did it. It's how you do it the right way, not the easy and convenient way. And I thought that was pretty in- impressive. Uh, so I guess with that, guys, um, Honky, where can folks find you and your mates there at the Redcast? Just same old, same old at Go Big Redcast on all the, all the, uh, 
uh, social media platforms and, and we're building up the YouTube page. So head to YouTube and click subscribe and you can watch our interview with, with Osborne last week and, and some of the yeah, other that was great. So mm. yeah, that was an outstanding there. interview. Thank you. That one in Damon Benning, I, I, you guys were just, that was a fantastic conversation with Damon. Um, mm. Really, really enjoyed that one. So I uh, really appreciate fun. you hanging out with us too. So yeah, I had, a, I had a blast. I guess my parting shot with you guys is I had a blast on Friday night. It was a lot of fun. I love talking Husker football with Husker fans. And so that's right. You, know, you guys fit the bill. I and mean, I love going and, <laughs> and having some scotch and old fashions and all that. And uh, I mean, that's the kind of stuff. I mean, I could do that. I could do that more than I should probably, but I, I it's a lot of fun. So, <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Well, we had a we had a blast. We did too, man. That's our parting shot would be the fact that uh that uh, you would take some time out of the, out of your week to hang out with us and uh go see a movie. It was awesome. Um and I knew that'd be right in your wheelhouse. So <laughs> appreciate you going with us. Uh yeah, appreciate thanks for all the tickets. The, I mean, I, all I the appreciate fun. That, oh, so. oh no, no. That that's 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 nothing, my friend. That was uh well deserved. And you know, Scott and I can be found at all the same places. We're we're there on Twitter and Facebook at GenRedPod and uh, GenRedPod Live right here on YouTube. And, of course, GenRedPod.com is our website where you can listen, download, subscribe via the links provided. And you can even follow us on Facebook and Twitter via the links right there on the website. So don't even bother trying to look for us on Facebook. Just go to GenRedPod.com. It's easiest that way. And uh, until next time, we're here to remind you that Iowa's corn still sucks, and there is no place like Nebraska. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Snap is down. The kick is up. Kick is. Get that way. The kick is. Centros batted down. And it down to the 20, 15. Hawkins crouching, knocking. Touchdown, Sue.